Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Hello, everybody. Um, before I start this show, first and foremost, what I want to say is congratulations to my Philadelphia Eagles. Yes, we are truly won the Super Bowl. We are the champions of the world. So I, I just got to plug that in, y'all, because I'm sure you can't feel silly, dilly, dilly all day. But um, we're going to get this going. All right, we want to air from Lone Beach, California, 724-444-7444. Press pin number 145-234-POUND, then one pound to listen and start eight to join the conversation. Brought to you by Looking Glass Entertainment. So, y'all, I'm hyped. I'm hyped. I, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I'm hyped. So, tonight, um, my topic of my show is Know Your Roots in your history before you go praising the enemy and your oppressors. So people without knowledge of your past history, origin, and your culture are trees without roots. So, you know, by this being, you know, February Black History Month, so, of course, this is what I wanted to discuss tonight. So my guest tonight that I have on is Brother Dunn. Brother Dunn, you there? Before we let Brother Dunn on here, uh, we do have, like, a chat uh, coming out of uh, Minnesota tonight. Uh, her name is Tabitha, and she says, what do you mean? And she says, what's the name of the show? <laughs> this is Diva Impact. <laughs> <laughs> Got you real good. Got yes, you real good. And, I, and your guest is on right now. Hold on a second. There you go. But you, but you know what? Wait a minute. You, you, you know I'm so hyped. You know, oh, I, I forgot to even announce that this is Diva Impact. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to really say it's the evil show tonight, but I can't. But this is Diva Impact. But um, brother, done you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Also, I okay, have my good. guests, um, brother Shaka. Shaka, you there? Shaka, has not pressed uh, star eight yet. Waiting for him to press star eight. We're getting right in once he does that. All right. Well, since we have Brother Dunn on, how you doing tonight, Brother Dunn? I'm doing well. A little tired, but thank you for having me. Not tired. I'll where, take that back. A little exhausted. Where, I'm not tired. Where are you from? Where, where are you from? I am a native of Wilmington, Delaware. I was born in Wilmington, Delaware. and uh, Well, let me take that back. I was born in Wilmington, Delaware. I was raised in South Jersey, so I'm a native of South Jersey. Uh, okay, I left but... Wilmington very early, so I wasn't able to absorb the, the cultural roots of, of Wilmington as a whole, so... Uh, culturally, I'm from South Jersey. Okay, you an Eagles fan though? Uh, I'm a, incidentally, <laughs> I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Ah, whatever. Yeah, I was an Eagles fan on that day. Uh, my <laughs> wife is an Eagles fan, and there were so many things that the Eagles represented that day that I could definitely appreciate with you know coming okay. in so with wifey, kind of so a, a number of things. So I, I can appreciate it. Okay, well, I'm with wifey. Well, um, okay, well, tonight we got you on. So 
you know, you, you know the topic. It's about our roots and our history, you know. I, I mean, give me a little bit of background about yourself. What do you do? What, what's uh, your background? I'm a, I'm a professional educator. Um, I've been working in the, the field of education in local-level high schools, uh, middle schools, for approximately almost 20 years now. Uh, I've done some public policy, but most of my work has definitely been in education. Okay, great, great, great. All right, well, listen, I do have a question for you. Okay, so far as, like, regards to the experience of African Americans, is it appropriate for them to identify themselves as Americans, as Africans or Americans? Well, that, that's a, it's an interesting question because I think a lot of, in most cases, when we speak to African Americans or, 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 as I say, Africans in America, um we're always trying to figure out what, you know, those nuances and complexities that contribute to, you know, who we are as African people in America it always is something that presents a challenge. Uh, you know, my, my contention is, is pretty much what Malcolm X's contention is when he made the statement that, you know, if a cat has a litter of kittens in the oven, it doesn't make them biscuits. You know, there's some black Americans that you'll speak to, uh, and I say black American intentionally because some will argue that's what they are, They'll say, you know, I was born here. I don't know anything about Africa. And that's kind of the rationale, you know, that's kind of the rationale because there's a number of things that are out there now where we can kind of identify our roots, our genealogy, uh, if you're willing to do the work. So I think that's the biggest part. Um, but in, in regards to how, how we see ourselves within this ethnic scope of our identity politics, um, I would definitely argue that it's inappropriate to make an American contention uh, now, as a national identity, yes, we are American people, but ethnic identity, no, we are African people. Uh, there, there's no other way within our history that we can see something that's different from that. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and others may argue something different. Now, I wouldn't say you're as Fulani as someone perhaps from Nigeria or Senegal, but you're just as African as he is. So I think when we look at the Africans' experience in America, there were some social and some cultural transformations that took place by which the African had to survive. So um, that's something that has always been interesting to me. So I think when we look at it in a deeper scope, on a social perspective and an anthropological perspective, there are African retentions there. You know, we, the way that we've constructed things, whether we explore our music, whether we explore the folklore, we explore the role of the African-American church, whether we explore... Uh, you know, just the, the way that we speak, whether we explore the Africanization of our dinner plates, which is really an amalgam of different ethnic groups and histories. But for the most part, you know, if you want to see how African you are, you can definitely look at your dinner plate. But, you know, we're like this, you know, soul food or something else. But, you know, that's something we can have a, a conversation with a little later. I think that when we run away from that, which we are, it opens a door for others to disrespect us. You know, it's fairly mm -hmm. unlikely that, you know, I, I go to Temple and there was a classmate of mine, his name was Seth, and, you know, he argued to me that, you know, culture isn't everything when we're studying historiography. And I, I told him, I said, well, your name is Seth, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, uh, sounds like a Jewish name. Are you Jewish? He said, yes. I said, where from? He said, I'm from Brooklyn. And I was like, okay. He was like a third-year PhD student at Temple. And I said, would you walk out? I said, who named you that? Your mother, your father? He said, my father. <laughs> I said, well, it's connected to an ethnic identity. It's connected to a spiritual identity. It meant something to your father. I said, would you walk out on the middle of Broad Street and tell someone that you weren't Jewish? He said, no. And I said, so history, you know, culture is important when we study history because if the culture isn't important, why do you need to assimilate people? And I think that's where 
you know, there's, there's a major issue. You know, if a Jewish guy walks in the mall, people are going to respect him as individuals because they respect him as a group. People aren't going to respect blacks as individuals, so they're definitely not going to respect them as a group. And I think the first thing is, exactly. you know, for that simple reason of identity politics that we're less likely to make an African contention. But we call each other niggas all day. Right. Exactly. And, and you know what? And I hear people say, well, I mean, this is what I would say. Like, the African, like when we go fill out application, it says that, are you an African-American? No, mm-hmm. I am. A African. What makes me an African American is what because I was born here to America. Well, I mean, so and, what do you think about that? I think, and that's a challenging question too, because again, we're looking at identity co- constructs that, and although the African American contention is something that you know that Jesse Jackson created, but at the same time, it never was an identity that was chosen by the people themselves. Whether if we look at the twenties or you know your Negroes or your you know. You look at the the sixties. You're Afro American, and you're Afro American, and you go back to a Negro, then an Afro American again, and then you're African American. None of these identities were con- constructed within the confines of the African American amongst African people in America. So, you know, I think that when we're looking at what co-constitutes our Africanity, people are, are distinctively looking at specifically looking at you know your tribe, your lineage, and that does play an important role. It really does play an integral role. But at the same time, you know, all of Africa is creolized. Like, there's no areas of Africa that have not come in contact with other civilizations, other societies, and also have absorbed some of those cultures and morals and values of other given societies, whether it was through conquest or war or just through migration or forced migration or selective migration. But as far as, you know, the, the way that you asked, as far as that the, the application was concerned, I usually check others. You know, and if it asks to identify, then I will place African on there. So, you know, I can't allow a nation state to define me. I have to define myself. Okay. You know what, Mr. Shaka, if you're there, press start eight, because I know you have a whole lot to say. Are you there? Is he there? Uh, I don't think Mr. Shaka is 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 in yet, but um. <laughs> yeah, we're still, we're okay. still waiting. We're still waiting for Mr. Shaka to press that star eight. Once he press star eight, I can see him coming the line. That's that's the situation. But I got something to tell. I got something to tell Tanya Carter tonight. Tanya, what? your lines are so blocked. People are emailing me saying they can't get on the show. That's insane. I'm out. <laughs> so so the line is backed up basically. <laughs> well, yeah. we got any guests? We got any, hey, we got any callers? <laughs> Bring them through. No, no, they just want to hear you. No. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Mr. Dunn, I mean, I, I, Brother Dunn, I, I appreciate everything you're saying, and everything you're saying is right. And it's, I mean, the thing with with our culture, I mean, a lot of us don't know our backgrounds. Like a lot of things that we do, we don't like. Can I, I just want to mention one thing. Like, a lot of things that we do far as um, materialistic things, a lot of the materialistic things that we buy, they comes from a lot of the the slavery, like Timberlands. You know, it said that the, the, the tree that's on the bottom of the Timberlands is the tree that they was hanging us from. Mm-hmm. So and, and we don't we don't really take that and think about that because a lot of the generations today don't really – in hell what our ancestors been through, the fight that they've been through just to vote, just to live, and how we were forced here. We didn't come here by choice. We were mm-hmm. literally dragged here. Mm-hmm. You know, am I right? 
Well, I, I agree with you 100%. And one one thing that we, we, we do want to be mindful of, like one thing that it makes me think, well, again, Malcolm X said, you know, we want to be mindful the way that we are now is not the way we've always been. So in that he was uh, referring to the process of evolving, the process of growing, the process of developing, the process of developing your intellectual prowess that you can augment, you know, your, your cultural identity, your cultural being. Um, in that, I would definitely say what's responsible for that is, is, is education. It's centered to it. There's an article written by uh, uh, Christine Sleater. It's called The uh, Academic and Social Value of Ethnic Studies. And in that, she kind of, in her article, she kind of strategically posits her argument uh, why ethnic studies is of, of significance. So she kind of compares and contrasts, she juxtaposes uh, students' levels of engagement with traditional Eurocentric mainstream curriculum versus uh, the curriculum by which, you know, you can see the historical contributions, the political, economic, and social contributions of other ethnic groups, whether it's Chicano, whether it's African-American, uh, that their role plays, uh, uh, that their role is integral as far as coming to a better understanding of what makes up America. Because a number of ethnic groups have contributed to the development of this apparatus known as America, but yet their stories have been kind of omitted out of historiography or kind of watered down through, you know, various book publishing uh, companies in Texas, et cetera. So, um, this is where there's a major problem. So, you know, you may kind of talk about King, but they may talk, talk about the more passive things of King, not the more fundamentalist side of King, you know, or these same historical characters in, in African-American history. Like, you know, children will less likely know anything about Sheikh Umar Tawfuti or Sheikh Usman Damfurio or Mohammed Bello or Sheikh Amadou Bambambaki or Nasir Adin. They don't know about these figures of, like, Howie Selassie or even, you know, if you look at, you know, Thomas Sankara, they don't know about Kwame Nkrumah or, you know, Dr. Namdi Ezekwe, or they don't know anything about uh, uh, Abu Bakr Balewa. Like, these are individuals, I think, that are central to understanding not just the process of state formation, but how these Africans have really worked hard to solidify economic, a political, and a cultural respite for us to survive as an ethnic group, while at the same time uh, solidify much of what makes up our identity as, as, as African people in the diaspora. So it all really goes back to education when you made that Marcus Garvey quote in the beginning when you came on the air. You know, Garvey is really right, you know. And, and But Garvey was aware of what the issues were, you know. In his speeches, he had mentioned that the necessary prerequisite for African people to free themselves was to, was to contest the fettering, psychology, the fettering psychology of the colonial enslaved mentality, which forces us to engender self-hatred. So, you know, he knew that education would had to be addressed. I mean, even in his speeches, you know, I mean, Malcolm X's speech is the same thing. You know, you'll hear Malcolm X use African, Negro, uh, and black interchangeably because uh, he knew that many Africans weren't ready to, African-Americans weren't ready to call themselves African, and even those in the Caribbean. So he knew the psychological damage may be so deeply entrenched it may be irreversible. So that's why he said, you know, that we need to have – uh, a repatriation back to Africa, but a psychological one first, because you realize you right. couldn't go back home if you know you're psychologically damaged, you know, and that mm. damage, that damage has been transitioned down through our DNA, you know, exactly. that, that that damage has been transitioned, you know, what they call in sociology, cultural transmission, and that's really what it is. It, it, trans, it transmits from one culture, one generation to the next, and then as far as our DNA is concerned, you know, that trauma is just doesn't carry a biological experience in our, bi our biological, the way we look biologically, but, you know, uh, our DNA also carries our historical and our environmental experiences, and that's something that's researched now as well. So, 
you know, you're looking at a damaged, a damaged people. You know, when you look at the African American experience in America, you're looking at a, a, a really a history of oppression and how a certain, a specific group of people are not only culturally marginalized, but how they find spaces within the colonial apparatus to contest the marginalization. But that's why I think, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's through writing, whether it's through music, I mean, you saw it in the Eagles football game with the Meek Mills, Meek Mills and social injustice. Yes, These are, yes. You know, there's a number of ways that we always find those spaces to resist. And then, you know, there was Eagles players that literally supported Kaepernick, so, which is another reason why Donald Trump didn't call, because most presidents exactly. are either at the football games or they either call in to congratulate, you know, this guy sends a fucking right. tweet. So, I mean, it's, just, it's, it's kind of what you expect. But I'm not, it's not anything new, but my broader question is at what point do we have to exist in the atmosphere of an oppressed group where we'll kind of wake up? Because I can say that in the 60s, you know, James Brown was, you know, acutely aware that, listen, I'm black and I'm proud and I'm not getting rid of my firearms. Like, he knew the conditions that were going on in the African-American, and he wasn't a saint, and neither am I. So I'm not romanticizing any of these figures, whether it's Martin Luther King or Malcolm X. They all have vices. They all have demons. We're all human beings. We all have sins and iniquities, and, and we're contesting our personal demons every day. So I'm not on the microphone to act like, you know, I've achieved, you know, you know I, I work hard to be a better husband and a better father. And that's a, a whole different journey in itself. You know, so things do take time to heal. Things do take time to move forward. But I can say as a black man in this space that it's, it's not easy. So every, everything, the moment I turn my door to go out the house, I realize everything is against me. So... That's right. what um, that's what we're contesting, man. So even you know, I, I I pray for the entire race, man. Even those that necessarily haven't had my best interests at heart, because some of us are going to find our own way through. Whether we're standing up for the cause, whether we're protesting, whether we're marching, or we're licking boots, or we're we're prostituting on the corner, or selling drugs. It, I'm going to say go, brother, because any way that they can get through this, or she can get through this, I commend them because they don't belong to an ethnic group that has economic power. Yes, brother Don. Yes. Well, listen. I know um, Shaka is on. Shaka, you there? No, actually, this is Liana. Um, I was just calling in to what? show my support. Hey, girl. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm so happy you called in, girl. <laughs> you hear me? Yes, I <laughs> That's my baby right there, man. Yeah, girl. that's my baby girl. Hi, baby girl. Hey, Mr. Day. What you, so what's the... Huh? I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. So you have another caller in? No, there ain't no Chaka. Let's keep on going, y'all. <laughs> you know what? Shaka, Shaka is working, so he's jumping back and forth, so that's probably what it is. Okay. Okay. That's what it is. But Layana, I'm so glad to have you on tonight. You have any questions for Brother Dunn tonight? Um, no, I was just calling in to say I agree with everything that was being said. I love the topic so much and you, I couldn't have said it better and I was just listening and agreeing everything that y'all were saying. Yes. Yeah, so so my support. Well, yeah, I, I have to say, um, Layana is actually one of my She's one of my most erudicious female students at, at Eastern Academy uh, Charter School. She's a very intelligent young lady. Um, I've seen her grow so much. It's inappropriate for me to even call her a girl. Um, and I'm thankful for her family, you know, her mother, her father. You know, Leanna's helping me to become a better father, a better husband. And a lot Aww. of students up there, oh, man, they're just, they're just, I have some beautiful students up there. And they're the ones that really keep me 
you know, wanting to be there, like the ones that are hungry. Because some of them, you know, it really goes back to, you know, when that, that, that Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1863, you know, uh, at least in the, the in the northern states, there's sort of southern states, you know, Kentucky, Missouri, Maryland, Delaware, like they had issues with it. But, you know, when that went through, when that came to fruition between 63 and 65, you know, there was 148,000 Africans that refused to leave plantations. You know, so again, they were so deeply enthralled or so deeply entrenched into the fabric of that planter crazy. Psychologically, it was different. It was difficult for them to see themselves going somewhere else and doing something else as a, as a liberated people. Well, I can't say liberated, but emancipated is appropriate because um. That, and, and where I'm going with this is, again, you know, with some of the students in the school, some of them are too far gone. And some of them are on alignment. Some may wake up later. So, you know, it, it's just really enjoyable to be around such a good group of students. It really it really is. <laughs> Thank you. Hello. Um, is, um, thank you, Liana. I appreciate you for coming on. But um, I wanted to say, Mr. Shaka, if you can hear us, please press the button. Oh, let's see Shaka right here, y'all. Yeah. Is that hey, Shaka right here? Hey, there Shaka. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. What's up, Shaka? What's going on, y'all? Y'all tried to hey, get on. I'm, I'm at work, so y'all got to see me. I'm running around, you know what I'm saying? Yo, like, I break for the spot. What's, what's up, Shaka? Hey, what's going on, brother? How's everything? What's up? Man, I'm thankful, man. I'm better since I hear from you. I can right? dig it like a shovel. <laughs> yeah, no. oh, I got, I got you. Gentlemen, first of all, nice to see you all on the air tonight. Uh, definitely supporting our sister Tanya Carter. You know, this is Brother O. Listen, I got, I got uh, a chat. For, for, listen, I got a chat, y'all, from a young lady. And it's funny that she chatted this. And this is to Tanya Carter. Her name is Gilda. Gilda is calling out of Savannah, Georgia. And this is what uh-huh. she said. This is kind of weird. And Tanya knows exactly what I'm talking about. She said, she said, listen, to all you folks out there, I have been so encouraged by Diva Impact. This show was encouraged me when lovely Ellis had it, as well Tanya Carter. I wouldn't know what I'd do if she, not, she didn't come on on Thursday night or any night on ONE. Thank you, brother DJ Olasky, <laughs> for bringing Tanya Carter on. And is she going to, is she going to stay around long enough? Oh, why are you doing that to me, though? For real? Oh, wow. <laughs> now back to you. Now back to Tanya Carter on these O&E stations. Oh, wow. All right. Oh, I'll talk to you when we get off the show. Brother Shaka. Brother Shaka, here? All right. Now, have you been listening to what Brother Dundon's saying? Yeah, I'm I'm more sitting down as a student. Like, I'd rather hear him talk than he have anything to say. I think he's giving it up. Um, yeah. Better than not What's your me, uh, you know, so. Well, see, and that's that's the thing. Like, you know, like I tell people all the time, if if I tell someone I'm a teacher and not a student, then who am I teaching? So that the learning process is reciprocal. Like I learn from him just like he learns from me. So I'm not a sophomore person. Like I learn from Ayana. I learn from my. It's 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 all it's all interwoven, you know, so, yeah. you know, and the beautiful thing I think about, not even think, the beautiful thing about Shock's role in the classroom is that the students are able to see a level, a high level of intellectual engagement between adults without the traditional, oh, motherfucker, da, 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 like, because sure. sometimes it's all, or seeing women throw liquor on one another or, or men cursing at one another, calling each other niggas all day, so it's different, you know, so it does, it does create an atmosphere that fosters them to go a little deeper than what they're traditionally used to doing. So I'm grateful for, for sure. his role. Yeah, I'm grateful for his role, definitely. For sure. 
Yeah, I'm grateful for you too. Like I learned and educate myself on a lot of um different issues like like y'all talking about Africa. I I was named um after two kings, like you know what I'm saying, Ashaka and Tafara. So Swasi and Shaka Zulu, I was named after both of them. So all my life That's I right. was always taught like you're African, you're African, you're African, da 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 da. So a lot of my 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 friends that I was growing up with didn't have the, that same I guess enlightenment from their parents, like you know what I'm saying, my family that's what we were taught, you know what I'm saying? But right, you know, right. growing up and some of your friends you still it was still something wrong. You know what I mean some uh, people make fun of you probably you're an African booty scratcher. And that was like a big thing yeah. growing up when I was when I was a kid and it's like now it's something funny, but at that time it was like, you know what I mean, you didn't want to identify yourself as being anything with Africa, so you know what I mean? So I had I had like a little battle when I was younger. Now that I'm older, it's like, you know what I mean? You come, you come to respect your name and respect. Well, I used to get teased from us, like, you know what I'm saying? So it was something like, you know what I mean, that I think that a lot of us and a lot of my African friends that I was growing up with and the ones that were born in Jamaica and Trinidad that I was growing mm-hmm. up with, they had to try to fit in themselves. Like, you know what I'm saying? My parents, was, my parents were from Jamaica, so they the same thing with them. They had to fit in and try to try to do something that they really wasn't until they get around their people. And I uh-huh. think that's the problem when we do get around our people. There's nothing, uh-huh. it's not the love that we're supposed to have around our people. Like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? That's a, that's a, I think that's a big word that people don't want to, like, you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Identify themselves with, you're, you're my people. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody else got their people except for us. And we talk about our people. We're not united as the rest of those other um, cultures and backgrounds. That's right. That's right. That's right. And I know, I know coming up in my era as well, like, good hair. Okay, we were brainwashed that good hair had to be long, straight, and pretty coming down your back, not that kinky, curly stuff to your scalp type of hair. No, that's good hair, too. Just because it's not straight or perm straight don't mean it's not good hair. Yeah, but is it wrong for me as, a, as, a, as an African-American that grew up here? My culture isn't African. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I travel, I've been to Africa. Like, I mean, I traveled there, and I've been around people from that that part of the world. Like, you said, I live there. I ain't just go to the visit, you know what I'm saying? But even over there and over here, is it wrong for me to like good hair, quote, unquote? Like, you know what I'm saying? That's, that's something I, I I prefer. You know what I'm saying? Is it something bad if I see two women and she walking on the street? She, is it bad for me to say, listen, I prefer. From me growing up and what I've seen throughout my life, whatever, like, that, I prefer. Or is it for me to change my brain? And this is a good question for Brother Dunn. Maybe he has some more enlightenment on it. Or should I change it and be like, no, that I prefer that. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it's wrong for me to. I, I that's what I like. I like light skinned women. I like I like long hair. I like this is what I prefer. Not saying that I, what I I have to have. Like you know what I'm saying, it's beauty and everything. Like you know what I'm saying, when right, it comes right, to me, right. but if that question makes a little but, bit of sense for our brother. Well, it, it, it's interesting you say that because it, it takes. You know, Brother Don, before you right. answer that real quick, let me take this another caller in queue. We have a caller on the line right now. Caller, are okay. you there? Hey. This is Anna Waddell of the Soul Twins. How y'all doing? I'm doing fine. Yeah. How you doing, Anna? I am wonderful. I'm telling you, y'all are opening minds tonight. <laughs> and I am so thankful that you have these kings on. Oh, thank you. They are wonderful, aren't they, Anna? Yes. And I'm sorry, the first caller, I, I'm, I don't remember to recall your name. I apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. My, my name is uh, Don. Yeah, Mr. Oh, Dunn. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you for calling, though. As an educator, I want to commend you on the passion that you have for 
teaching and making your students aware of who they are through their true history. A lot of teachers today, and I have lots of friends that teachers, they feel defeated because of the system that's in place and the tools that they are required to teach by. So you doing what you do and being encouraged by the students as well because it's a given it's a give and take exchange in learning and teaching. I love that. I want to read a statement that kind of goes back to uh, what you talked about initially. Uh, and this is the statement. Our greatest power over blacks is that we control everything they believe. We control their education, their news media, their entertainment, all their statistics, and even their image of themselves. This, therefore, allows us to inundate blacks with disinformation designed to instill the myth of white superiority and black self-hatred into their minds. It's a psychological warfare program used to protect our white dominance, Mm -hmm. and it's quite effective. So how – okay, you Mm -hmm. do a little bit. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I, I, I was waiting for you to finish. I'm sorry. Okay, you're doing your teaching. How is it? How can we, as a community, make everybody understand this? Just like you said, there were so many hundreds of thousands of slaves that wouldn't leave the plantation because of this uh, self-deprecating, self-defeatist attitude and that the master is the only thing that's going to give me a hope. You know, at what point right, do we right. wake up and stop having a hope and a dream based on what somebody else says that they're going to give us that we're never going to get? Well, well, I can understand on one side where, you know, so it was only a matter of time that Europeans realized we can't keep them physically in chains too long because we understood all of their political documents, whether it was, you know, the Declaration of Independence or whether it was the, you know, Constitutional Convention or whether it was, uh, the Declaration of Rights, Man, the Citizenship, whether it was the Constitution itself. Like, you know, African people in the colonies, we understood, we spent the most intellectual and intimate and physical time with Europeans. But, you know, as as African slaves, we understood that. And people have to keep in mind, like, you know, on that plantation, it's a very unique thing because on the plantation, the, the, the work expectations or the work experiences, rather, it was most often brought to the slave in contact. You know, it was most often, how can I say this? It, it, the contact always had a secondary uh, environmental experience, which was far less important to determine the personality of the African. So, yeah, when he was on that plantation, his personality was different interacting with them whites, but it was in that, that slave community where they talked about those political documents and stole those political documents, or some of them even happen to be the Bible, or whether they're bringing in tea or bringing in coffee, they're still escaping on those conversations and listening to what they mean. I think our mistake is that we believe in those articles and those documents and those principles, or rather policies, better than those who constructed them did. Now, I don't think that they'll ever be, has the country made improvement as far as after people, yes, but if we think that we're going to sit at the dinner table and, and, and reap the same things that, that whites have constructed. They're, they don't share power. Either whites are going to control right. all of the thing or they're not going to control any of it. And I think that it's really foolish for us to think that, you know, we're going to have 
Because what, what is it the African in America wants? Is he waving the flag, the red, black, and green flag, or is he protesting because of a social injustice, or is he protesting because the system needs to be eradicated and then constructed all over again from scratch? Because if we're just going to, you know, in a neoliberal kind of way, if we're just going to perpetuate the same thing that whites have established because we benefit from it, then we're just black imperialists. We're no different. We're just pissed off that we haven't benefited from it. So that's what I'm questioning. Like, what is it that we want? Is it the social injustice that, you know, you got fired because you didn't make 125000 Because as you made 125000 would there be a problem with that system? Maybe not. So where I really want to go to the kernel of it is I think that, um, I think that, it, you know, and I know Shaka's is very well-traveled too. I think that once the, the African in America starts coming in contact with the Orient, a.k.a. Northeast Africa, coming in contact with Africa, or whether it's every two years or once every five years. I don't. It, it takes a lot. I mean, even the Black Panthers had their headquarters in Algeria. They knew that in case it didn't work out here, we're out of here. So, I mean, yeah, we can establish like a nation within a nation, but to think that we're going to control it, that's a whole different thing. The, 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 the political economy, that's definitely not going to happen. So, I mean, it's not really the nation state's responsibility to educate our children. Now, I like Principal Barlow at Eastern because he doesn't get in the way of, 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 of teachers, good teachers, that teachers that are trying. He don't get in your way. I mean, there's things that you can sure. pick at him with, but he doesn't get in the way. But it is a very mm-hmm. belaboring, it is a very tiresome, it is a very oppressive system that he's fighting and that I'm fighting too. So, you know, I, I, I commend him on that side because, you know, he's got stories that the children don't even know about. You know, they ever see native hypocrisies, but we all have those. But it's it just kind of um, it's a difficult thing. But my answer for the African in America is like, you know, yeah, it's like Dr. John McClark said, you know, we need to read, not not just read African history, but read more of everyone's history, but put Africa in the middle of it. And, he, and he's sure. right. So we have to kind of build a body of knowledge with everybody and see how Africa is kind of that cultural epicenter of all social activity and economic and political and cultural activity. So I just kind of, um, I think everything starts with home, man. Like, I, I, I like America. You know, I like I love America, but I'm in love with Africa. It's a difference. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I know, it's just like, right. oh, yeah, it's a, it's a difference, okay. man. I, I feel like the Black Panther, you know, I, you know, when he can't stay out of the <laughs> continent that long. You know, he could come to America and fight in New York with Captain America, but at the end of the day, he knows the soul of his ancestors that he wears around his neck. He knows that resides in Wakanda, and he has to get back there. So that's really what it is. Like, I just feel like no matter how much money we have in this country as athletes, as actors, as as entrepreneurs, this country will never be healthy to who we are as African people. I mean, Michael Jackson and Whitney Houston will tell you that. Well, yes, Brother Don. Well, Anna, I would like to thank you so much for coming on tonight, and thank you for your support. Oh, it's not a problem. Thank you guys for being available. Oh, you're welcome. It's always a pleasure. And if uh, Brother Shaka would, before the interview is over, I'd like to hear, you know, what your experiences are and the difference in Africans in the native continent of Africa and Africa and Americans, the, the way we treat and respect one another. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you, Anna. All right. We're going right. to bring him. We have another caller in queue. Caller, are you there? And tell me where you're from. This is uh, Miss Automatic Charismatic of Viper Network. How y'all doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. How are Pretty you? Good. Thanks for coming on tonight. Where oh, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm loving the uh, topic, um, and um, I'm very. You now I've been talking about um, you know black awareness, 
you know, uh, for a while. And, uh, you know, I'm loving the topic. I uh, was talking about the word inmate and how it's derived from immaterial. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a reason MLK went to jail because they wanted him to be immaterial. Mm. The inmate derives from immaterial. Mm. And once you go to jail, you are owned. It means right. that you are a slave. You are owned. Mm. And thing about the slave patrol, same thing. If you ran away from master, you were considered a fugitive. That's right. You're brought back to the master so he can claim his ownership. If you run out of jail, only you belong to God. You don't belong to the system. The system may try to claim you as a slave. So if you run out of the prison system, you are considered a you are considered a fugitive. Um and Black people should never sell should never support any company that support the uh correction facility. They are uh big name companies that uh support that um have workers work out the correction facility. Those are like slaves. They pay them uh, much to nothing. Working out in the fields. I'm seeing inmates working out on the streets. It's like that, like it's almost like it's uh, like cotton, and we have to be careful. Me, and so when you become in, immaterial and you're in bondage, you're a slave. You're owned to the system. So slavery, they they lied and said that slavery is gone, has been ratified, but uh, even in segregation, they take your right to vote if you go to jail. Uh, in some cases, in the segregation, nothing has gone away. Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I was, just, I was just listening to him. Okay, well, listen, well, it's about in- my Ngozi time about to come on. So, Ngozi, mm-hmm. are you there? I'm always here. You know, let me tell you something about when a man don't know himself. How about that? Didn't you like that wonderful Ibanka way I just said that? When a man don't know himself, <laughs> he never has neither life nor liberty and the pursuit of happiness, he merely exists. Oh. We're tired oh. of our people just merely existing. And we're tired of our people just surviving. Can we get the mental, you know, the aptitude to thrive? Thriving is through educating your kids. And I say this many, many different times, and time is, 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 is fading. That's like we have another show at 10 o'clock. Do you know what your children are right now? Are you taking care right. of home? Because, are you taking care of home? And I'm talking to them to the, to all uh, eight fingers are pointing back at Olatsky, the great DJ you know, love to see. And point all eight fingers and, and, and two thumbs are saying, before you go on the radio, producer, are you taking care of home? 
So don't get on the radio and start talking mess when your home ain't right. So make sure your home is right, and then take care of your next-door neighbors and stop living in neighborhoods, living in communities. Can we commune? You know, like, like you know, I'm from California. We, we, this, this, all the time we say, this y'all hood, huh? This y'all hood? You know? <laughs> no, this ain't y'all hood. This is, this is, my, this is my community, bro. And we need, to, we need to do better at what we do in Los Angeles and Philadelphia and New York, Detroit, New Orleans, and such. So I'm so proud of Tanya Carter coming with an outstanding new <laughs> style when it comes down to the impact. And I want to thank Gilda, okay? Gilda put her heart on the line for Tanya. Yes, she did. Dilly dilly. And also, <laughs> we are celebrating Beverly Nation anniversary week. We started Beverly Nation five years ago. Of course, on the day that my mom transmitted to a new life uh, and left this world on February 4th, uh, 2013, uh, my, my mom passed away on 2000, 2003. And it's funny, I was thinking about, I did a post today, and, and the Philadelphia Eagles won the championship on the day my mom passed. And you oh, never wow. take that away. Never take that away. Mm-hmm. And I put a post up. So, um, congratulations. Uh, it come, this is coming from a Raider fan, an LA, LA Raider <laughs> fan. I've become a, wait a minute, I've become a Las Vegas Raider fan. You did something that every single team in the NFL, especially us Raider fans, wanted you to do: beat those damn Patriots. Thank you so ah. so much. To see the look on Tom Brady's face when he loses is priceless. You don't need to have a Mastercard. Look at Tom Brady's face. Now we're right back <laughs> on the air at ten o'clock, of course, with the Wonder Twin, one half of me, because you know I'm a Wonder Twin as well. Andrea Presley, National Syndicated Radio, and this is her wonderful title for tonight. Y'all ready? This 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 says waiting. You know, it says says waiting right into it. Keeping it real. Can you overcome your adversities? That's tonight. Understand, Andre Presley, National Syndicated Radio, ten o'clock Eastern, nine o'clock Central, and seven o'clock Pacific, right here on these O and E stations at Beverly Nation. Of course, Beverly Nation is advertising through O and E, which is Oladelli and Gozi Enterprises, and you can reach us at www.lookingglassentertainment.wordpress.com as well as Ngozi Primetime One at Bevnet.com. We are. And Gozi Prime Time at Twitter and Gozi Time at Instagram. Ola Deli and Gozi both Pinterest and Google Plus. Ola Deli Malewa and Gozi at Facebook as well as our business page. That girl, you better believe it. The diva Tanya Khan as well. Hey. At Beverly Nation Online <laughs> Radio. And any comments, suggestions to our programming? Oladele.angosibomayandgmail.com. So I'm getting off right now. We only got two minutes left going to program. And I am your mother and father's favorite producer. DJ Oladsky, your dynamic honeybee. Saying good night and good luck to all the folks out there on Force Radio. Support you and us on a constant basis. Tanya Carter, uh, take us away, honey. <laughs> all righty now. I just want to thank you, Brother Dunn, for coming on. Brother Shaka, I appreciate both of y'all. All thank right, y'all Shaka. for a great show tonight. Thank oh, y'all so night. much. Thank y'all for my guests for coming on tonight. Valiana. I appreciate you all. Thanks, Liliana, for um, calling in. Anna and my other guests that called in. Thank y'all so much. And again, I like to say E A G L E S E Girls. Yes, we the champions. Good night, y'all. Good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.